CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site, and look who decided to stick around for the show. It's the whole Beakers back there. Brian and the guys are getting ready. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up. IBM shares have helped investors reap some productive gains. And there's something in the charts that's pointing to an even bigger rally. We'll tell you how to cash in. Plus, there's one group of stocks that seems poised for a breakout when it reports earnings next week. We'll give you the name and how to profit. And talk about a genius trade. We've got a way to get long on Apple for just three bucks. And we'll show you how. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. Let's get right to it because next week is the busiest one for earnings season. We'll hear from 172 S&P companies and 12 Dow components. Names like McDonald's, Caterpillar, Boeing, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, UPS. You get the picture. So far, the earnings picture has been pretty positive. Roughly 70% of companies seeing EPS and revenue beats. So should you keep buying stocks into earnings? Let's get in the money right now, Mike. You know, this is interesting. We have a little bit of a volatility paradox going on here. I mean, we frequently hear people expressing a lot of concern about valuations. I don't know that valuations necessarily are the precursor to a potential drop. I think I look at volatility, I see it as low as it is. Mm -hmm. And I see actually continued confidence in the market right here. The other thing is that we are seeing some dispersion. That is that on these earnings results, we've seen financials, for example, which probably did a little bit better on an operating basis than most people thought stocks don't move. We see something like materials, which basically are otherwise flat. Stocks do well. Industrials, not so much. So when you take a look at that mix, you have stocks going in different directions, and that basically is going to create some steadiness in the market. And I think market unsteadiness is what would really cause investors. Well, and to Mike's point, it also we've seen all year long, and actually for a couple of years now, this rotation between different sectors, right? So if you have this dispersion, then you're going to get active managers back in the space, moving between sectors, and that's going to give you opportunities. Dispersion things aren't all correlated. Right, right? exactly. So, I mean, what, we, what we've had so far is, you know, it's the index funds, right, I've, I've been coming in. Now things are not correlated, separating, you have opportunity. Do we see that in I mean, the charts? Well, in terms of just the, the quarterly cycle here, and yeah. talking about the earnings, I mean, the thing that's really important is that the revenue has been better than expected, right? The earnings, if you looked at the blended average earnings growth rate of the companies that have reported and those that have yet to report, it's running at only about 1.7%, a fairly muted uh, return series. But the top line for the first time is exceeding the bottom line and exceeding estimates. And that obviously is an important thing. It's a, it's a lot harder, obviously, for management to manipulate revenues. You know, you can have share buybacks that can boost earnings per share. But revenues, that right. basically tells the tale. So if it's growing at a rate that's better than expected, that signals that there is some underpinning strength. Right. Now, Carter, you're taking a look at a sleeper pick. Yeah, so I'll, I know the big names like uh, tech names, but let's look at uh, let's look at UPS. So at transports, industrials, industrials had a big day today. Obviously, a huge laggard. Speaking about a sleeper coming to life, GE, and I thought uh, we could drill down on UPS, which does have earnings next week, and I'm going to make the bet that it's going to be good, or said differently, it's going to go up whether it's good or bad. UPS versus the market since UPS's IPO, it is a market performer. I mean, these these numbers speak for themselves. So the issue is of late. Since inception, back in 99, UPS versus the S&P, it's a dead heat. Now, from the absolute low, the 6th of March 2009, I think this is where it gets interesting. UPS, of course, has lagged the market. Now, 
more immediately, take a look at where we are just over the last one, two years. And I think, again, this is the opportunity that UPS has lagged. It's a big name. We know what's going on in sort of Internet shipping. And I think it's a, it's a name to play. So here's a chart. No drawings or annotations by me. But I think what you can see here that's important is that we're right at the prior high. And the presumption is, is that after we back and fill in this high, we can exceed this high. So if you get rid of what I drew and put it in an actual, I think you're going to get this line here. I think you're going to get your breakout here. And I'm going to make a bet that UPS will make a high. I want to be long into earnings. All right, so Mike, what's your trade? Yeah, so this is an interesting case. Usually earnings are basically large contributors to price movement. But actually in the case of UPS, the movement on earnings is typically around 2%. Where you do often see a lot of movement is through the holiday season. They've had operational challenges historically at this time of year. They've actually had some situations where they've ultimately disappointed in the next quarter. So I think the best way to do this, especially with options premiums as low as they are, is to buy the at-the-money call. I'm looking out to January. You could buy the 120 calls. When I was looking at those, those were about $3.20. So you're spending approximately $3 of, you know, relative to the current stock price to make that bullish bet only has to move up 3% between now and January. And I think the chances that it makes a move of that magnitude or larger is very, very good. And I don't expect it necessarily for earnings. What do you think of the trade? Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to disagree with Carter and Co. I mean, to me, this looks double toppy, right? We've seen a massive run up. Now we've got uh, some other headwinds coming out there. Not only do we know that Amazon's going to have their own air fleet, there's other issues out there. has been the last couple of years. They have had those operational issues. I'd rather take the shot on the short side here. Short side here. I mean, don't you think, though, that what is really going to propel the stock ultimately is going to be how holiday season operates for them? They have figured out, as I pointed out, they've had some operational challenges. They seem to be sorting those things out. These are companies, by the way, that are ultimately going to benefit from an operating expense from emerging technologies. I mean, those are all potential benefits. They're doing some other things with their you know, less than full truck level deliveries, I think, that are probably going to benefit them as well. And it's also trading, by the way, at a discount to its historical valuation. And, yeah, and a discount to the market yeah. and a discount. For a reason, right? I mean, there's, it's trading there for a reason. And to me, I think there's just more risk that they don't hit the numbers, that they don't hit expectations. Than you think the do, market's going to be higher through January? Do I think yeah. the market's, market's going to be higher through January? Yeah. I'll okay. Go, yeah. And, and so, so you think that this is going to diverge further from the market, that the, even in a yes. rising tide, or that it's going to sink? Or the gap yes. is going to be filled. The, the disparity between the two stocks won't be filled. Well, that's, that's right. the I mean, opportunity. That's the I mean, you think, that you're making. Well, that's what we're making. That right. it's, a, it's a sleeper that's going to surprise to the upside. Now to a stock that was a big winner this week. That would be IBM. But Big Blue was the MVP of the Dow, surging nearly 10%. A surprising move given the stock's troubled past. Who better to break it down than our very own MVP, Dom Chu. Hey, Dom. Well, Melissa, I do what I can for the team here at CNBC and, of course, for options action. But IBM, it hasn't been exactly pulling its weight when it comes to the overall market. No secret, it's been one of the big laggards in the Dow and, of course, the broader market over the year-to-date and last 12 months. But that earnings report on Tuesday afternoon went a long way towards clawing back some performance. By the time the dust settled on Wednesday's close, Big Blue had gained close to 9%, its best daily performance since January 21st of 2009. That was a day it gained over 11%. It was also the best post-earnings day for the stock going all the way back to 2002. And according to Bespoke Investment Group, it was only the third time in the last 18 quarters when the stock actually gapped higher after an earnings report. Now, we saw a lot of that action play 
play out in the options market, of course. In the first four days of the week, we saw options trading volume for IBM four times greater than average. And if you look at the vast majority of that volume, yes, it happened after the earnings report was released. So could this be a turning point in sentiment for Big Blue? The skeptics say it'll take a lot more to get it back on track, the stock at least. But the bulls say this could actually be that turning point on a stock that many have given up on over the past couple of years, Melissa. But, of course, that debate rages on. Back over to you. All right. We'll take it to the desk. Thanks, Dom. Dom Chu back at headquarters. So I'll kick it off with you, BK. I mean, did yep. you think that this was the moment for IBM. I do. I think this is a change in sentiment. This is a change in the way that the company's operating people in the way that the market is perceiving that, right? So we've had this turnaround story that the market has not believed for a long time. After this quarter, you have to believe in this turnaround story. And to me, I think they hit all the different areas of the, the growth areas going forward. So talk about, you know, this is underperforming the market. I think this has much more potential to outperform than the other names we've talked you know, about. From a fundamental standpoint, we've seen this a couple times where we've had, you know, mature companies, companies like Microsoft and so on, where people were concerned that they were not evolving and weren't going to be able to take advantage of new opportunities in the marketplace, especially in services, things like cloud, which is obviously, and AI, obviously something that IBM has been touting a great deal of. And I think this signals that, and we had such bad performance coming into this point, right? So if if there wasn't actually a big sentiment change, we wouldn't have seen this big pop. There would have been plenty of ready sellers and that there weren't. So it seems to me that people are beginning to believe that this is going to be it. You still have a lot farther to go, though, because you're talking about a company that had, whatever, $100 billion in revenues. We had, what, $15 billion in cloud. So they've got a, a long way to go, but people believe yeah, it. That's, that's right. Here's, here's <laughs> what this is. Look, there's no operating business per se. What they've done is they've cut their float in half. They're in the buy, they eat themselves for a living, right? right? They buy back their shares. And they've done it more aggressive than almost any prominent company out there. The issue is, and, and this is a matter of technique, and it's quite right what, what Brian said, when something gaps up, it usually is not an isolated event. Typically, you get two or three gaps. So you get two down, it had quarterly misses. A quarterly beat that's this aggressive uh, is typically followed by something that's equally aggressive. So the risk or the chance here is that you get back to those drops of May when it plunged from the sort of 170 level. And I think we've got a chart there that might even show that. But that's, that's the upside, what I, I see. Wow. Yeah. Huh, what do you know? I should agree with them on UPS, and now I feel bad. 3.7% <laughs> dividend yield is not bad either it's while not. you're waiting for this uh, Absolutely. further gap higher. Right. And, and listen, I mean, if they can get, you know, if, if the market gives them a pass in a sense, which I don't think they have quite yet, but to Carter's point, I think they're ultimately going to start giving them a pass similar to how they give Amazon a pass, and you believe in this story, the expectations, I think, are still too low for this company, therefore surprised to the upside. All right. You can take a quick break here for Everything Options Action. Check out our website website optionsaction.cnbc.com while you're there sign up for our super cool newsletter it is an absolute must read so what are you waiting for here's what's coming up next apple's market cap is north of 800 billion dollars that's a lot of money it sure is so we'll show you how to buy shares for just three bucks plus calling all options action fans reach into your pocket Grab your phone and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Logical. Welcome back to Options Action. Apple unveiling its new flagship store in Chicago today. Josh Lipton is there with more. Hey, Josh. 
Melissa, actually the governor of Illinois just walked into this Apple store right behind me here. The mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, is here as well. I want you to also take a look at this line. I'll have the cameraman pan over. Melissa, this is a line of people waiting to get in the store, which is going to open its doors for the first time here at the top of the hour. Also on hand here today was Apple CEO Tim Cook, who talked about why he thought it was important to be here for this opening. Our very first flagship was right here in Chicago in 2003. Now, uh, 14 years later, we're here uh, in this uh, beautiful store with a great connection to the community uh, in a larger way than ever. Uh, it's got all of our latest innovations in the store uh, and a connection to the community that's deeper than anything we've done before. And uh, so it feels fantastic. So Apple, of course, isn't the only big tech company opening new brick-and-mortar stores. There are others. For example, Amazon is, too. But Apple retail chief Angela Ahrens told me she isn't worried about that competition. I don't think about it frequently. I've read that they're investing and Alibaba's investing and Google's even said that they're going to invest billions and open up stores. So I have read that. And honestly, I think it's great. I think it's great for the economy. I think it's great for employment. And I think that it reinforces that, that physical retail is not going away, that there is a purpose. People want the human connection. They want a place to pick up their products, et cetera. Um, so I think, it's, I think the great news is, as you said, we're nearly 500 stores ahead of them. The tenure of our employees is unbelievable. We have an over 80% retention rate in America alone. So I think it'll take them a little while to catch up. And more stores are on the way, including Washington, D.C., Paris, and Milan. Melissa, back to you. All right. Thank you very much. Josh Lipton in Chicago. Well, Apple shares have been under pressure in the last month after unveiling its next-generation iPhones. That stock down about 4% since the debut, but with earnings and the release of the iPhone 10 just two weeks away, how should you play it? Mike's at the Plasma with the call to action. Mike. All right, so we're going to talk about using a calendar spread in this case. So one of the things we would expect if we're going to put a trade like this is that the stock's not going to move that much in the near term. So we're looking at near-term consolidation. The other thing that you're looking for, because you're buying a longer-dated option when you buy a calendar spread, is a longer-term catalyst. Now, you might say we've got earnings coming up first week of November. I think the catalyst really is going to be holiday earnings, not so much the earnings event. And then finally, oftentimes options premiums get a little bit elevated into earnings. So I want to sell that premium and buy the holiday move. So we can take a look at the stock price here, and we can see basically what's been going on sideways actually down slightly as you pointed out doesn't seem that strong to me and i'm not expecting really great earnings out of this uh, for those reasons and this is the trade pretty easy for three dollars we can buy the november january 160 call spread when i was looking at this you could buy the january's for five dollars and 85 cents you could sell the november's for 285 i don't expect these to decay that much this is kind of the money you're hoping to collect but you're only risking about two percent of the current stock price to do this trade do you like calendar spreads? Uh, well, I really like this trade in this particular case right. because because you have two catalysts, right? So when we're when you're looking at that, then I think this works out very very well. And we all know that this Apple story is about the the iPhone 10. It's not about the 8. So it's the holiday season that matters. So I really like it a lot. How do the charts look? I always get well, nervous when somebody goes up there, pulls up a chart, and starts drawing lines all well, over. Well, no, I, I mean, listen, we're, I, I, right here. <laughs> if you think about it, a chart is just a pictorial representation of the collective judgment of market participants. Mm -hmm. And I think if one were to take that and look at this chart here, maybe, what we know is that Apple has broken trend. 
It's not a big break. It's not a massive rollover. But its performance is sluggish. And I think that's what the word dormant uh, uh, is about. And it's what you're trying to do in this trade. The stock is the same price it was in late May. Think where the market is versus late May. Yeah, I mean, and the trade we're really making is that it's going to be essentially in the same price after earnings. Because really what people want to know is, are their products going to sell really well? Are these new stores, like the one in Chicago, not just going to be a destination for people to go and look at product, but to actually buy it? And, you know, they obviously have very good retail sales per square foot, but that's not going to be the only answer for this company. And we're going to need to see very strong holiday sales, I think, for it to go higher from here. This is going to be a tricky setup, though. I mean, we do have the earnings, and then we have the the 10 launch. And we will probably get all sorts of little data points here and there about how well the pre-orders have come in and how... that's what that little data points were made a week, two, three days ago when it gapped down. There's always these things lurking. But that's exactly why this trade is great, right? Because I don't think much is going to happen into earnings. Then after that in the holiday season, I suspect Josh Lipton will be showing us all the lines out there. Lines are big. Apple goes higher. Lines are small. Apple goes lower. The final point I would make is that, you know, we like situations where we can sell some premium into events. It's very hard when options premiums are low. But here we're buying some longer data premium. We're selling basically the shorter data one. That's the way you can still find some ways to collect a keg. All right. Up next, Intel hitting its highest level in nearly 17 years today. And the charts are pointing to even more gains. We will break that down. Plus, got a question for one of the traders. You can send us a tweet. If it's nice, maybe we'll read it later in the show. Much more options. Action still ahead. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to look back on some of our open trades. Three weeks ago, Carter and Co. said that Home Depot was about to break out. That's a heck of a setup. So the presumption is a breakout from these well-defined tops. I think that's an opportunity. Specifically, what I'm looking at is the 165 October-January call spread. I could buy the January 165s for 465 when I was looking at this earlier today, sell the October 165s at a buck oh five. Well, it's been a bit of a wild ride for the home improvement retailer, rallying to a new all-time high before pulling back. And, Mike, the first leg of your trade expires actually today. So what do you do? Yeah, so that one expired worthless. That's exactly what we want to have happen. We're still long that longer-dated call. And now the real question is, do we think the breakout is going to happen? Because otherwise I'll sell the November 165s again, so I'll be in this trade for about a buck and a half. Right, so we sort of got this breakout, and then it's fallen back to kind of where we started. If you can buy some more time, the presumption is home people goes higher. And we got that time. That's why we had the calendar on. That's <laughs> exactly. A win. All right. Also, three weeks ago, Dan bet that Intel shares were headed higher. So we bought the 38 strike calls expiring next week. Intel shares are up already more than 6%. You may have noticed that Dan isn't here with us today, but he did send us a message from an undisclosed, apparently wooded area in upstate New York to tell us how he is managing this trade. Hello, Options Action viewers. Sorry I can't be there today except this award of sorts, but I wanted to give you a quick update on the Intel trade idea I detailed a couple weeks ago. At that point, the stock was 38. I was targeting earnings this coming week. At the time, it was the October 27th weekly 38 calls for 80 cents. At this point, I think we want to roll them up a little bit to the October 40s. Those are also about uh, 85 cents right now when the stock was trading at 40.30. Thanks a lot. Good luck. 
very, very undisclosed. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it was like one of those ones where they do the blurry part. I mean, he, like, yeah, he, he, he could be at a Home Depot for yeah, all, you know, yeah. in the back. In the back. Uh, yeah. uh, so, Mike, what would you do here? So I, I agree with him on this. I mean, that was really a great trade. It's one of these situations where options premiums were just simply too low. You, you basically had the calls trading what they would be worth the day before earnings, weeks before earnings. And now he's looking at these 40-strike calls. They're only trading very slightly above parity. So I think that's a good way to make your bullish bets from here. 17-year high on Intel. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I like this trade. I mean, I'm a little curious what Dan's hiding from. He's whispering up there in the woods. It's very strange. It was a creepy He does seem like thing. maybe he's right? on the right? lamb or something like that. Like on the like lamb. That. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. On the lamb. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, this is a classic sleeper trade, right? I mean, semis have been hot. Yeah. And Intel was lagging. And this is the kind of thing you can get if you get a catch-up trade. It's, it's fantastic. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call from the options pits. take your tweets our first fan says hey melissa lee it's a nice tweet please read it just did <laughs> just did all right moving on our next fan michael asks what's the options play leading up to microsoft earnings next week mike why don't you, you know uh volatility again has been so low this stock still looks pretty good to me and i think you want to make that basically press the bullish bet you can look out to january by the 80 calls that chart looks pretty good you know in fact here's something so good never in its history has it gone this long without having a check back to its 150-day moving average? Is that good or bad? It's so orderly, it's good. All right. Hmm. Our next one is for Brian Kelly. BK, is a Tesla double top played out? What are your views into earnings? Well, certainly, I think in a break 345, you want to be aggressively short this. And I think that would mean you, you know, the double top is in and going lower. Oh. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter Braxton Worth. We get long UPS into earnings for a 5 6% move to 125. Michael? By January calls in UPS to make that play. Brian Kelly, well, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks all. for having me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, listen, I like to make hay when the sun shines. Look at the VIX. You want to buy protection on your portfolio at these low volatility levels. All right. Looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. For more Options Action, check out the website, optionsaction.cnbc.com, or tweet us at Options Action. We'll see you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.